Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots Bay Chicago Cubs podcast with an I on player development. And today, being Wednesday, there were no Dominican League games. There were there was no Arizona League action. So it's all just the Cubs and the four full season affiliates. Due to a I think it's a hurricane down in the Biloxi area. That series has been scrubbed for Monday and Tuesday, and we will see for on into the future. I'm going to go a little bit backwards in the order today. Most of the commentary will be toward the top of the ladder. Because, well, actually, that's where most of the action was. I will start with the Cubs. And very possibly you saw. Trailed three to nothing, trailed three to two, tied the game at four, tied the game at five, lost the game six to five on a walk-off past ball. One of the things I'm going to start with today. Actually, the thing I'm going to start with today is Robinson Chirinos. Robinson Chirinos is a very useful backup type of catcher, as long as he's healthy. And realistically, I don't think he's had a whole lot of injury troubles here recently, though everybody does the catcher here or there. But Robinson Chirinos makes for a perfectly useful Backup catcher anymore. That's not a question. So today, when I was having my Cubs 40-man roster assess, my Cubs 40-man roster assessment assessed, I had an article on Bleed Cubby Blue. A number of people have been a bit, the Cubs should have Robinson Chirinos as their backup catcher next year. I'm not going to go, yes, that's a good idea, no, that's a bad idea. He's probably about what the Cubs will probably end up getting anyway. But as far as Robinson Chirino specifically, the Cubs have no team control over Robinson Chirinos. Robinson Chirinos entered this season as a free agent. He was a free agent when the Cubs signed him, and the Cubs picked him up. (coughs) And he will be a free agent in the offseason. Perhaps the Cubs will sign him. Perhaps the Cubs won't. But it will be a situation where the Cubs and Chirinos would have to come to an agreement. Players who teams have to come to an agreement with... um, Those are largely going to be January issues. Robinson Chirinos will have no specific reason to sign with the Cubs for a this or that deal by the end of of October. There's no reason to. He's going to be a free agent. He might as well, oh, okay, I'm a free agent if they're going to offer me 2.7 2.7 million. I'm just throwing out a number. They're going to offer me 2.7 million now. They'll offer me 2.7 million later. I'll go see what I, everybody's offering. 
have the agent contact all 30 teams. Whoever offers the best deal, that's where he'll go. Because he's a free agent, he's allowed to do that. Robinson Chirinos will not be immediately hired as the Cubs' backup. If he ends up being the hired as the Cubs' backup in January or February, fine, great, no problem. If it's on a minor league deal with an opt-out in mid-March, all the better. But I, it, it's, it's not going to be Robinson Chirinos signing for... I just don't see that. Um... Is, I, I don't see that being the case. Uh, if he ends up being the guy, great. But the, the Cubs have no say on him. As opposed to, for instance, Adam Morgan. If the Cubs decide, yes, we want Adam Morgan around next year, the Cubs have complete the complete right, the complete option to retain Adam Morgan next year. Like with Ian Happ, like with Greg Schwindel, like with Alfonso Rivas, but not with Robinson Chirinos or Zach Davies, or Matt Duffy. Okay, now as far as... Alec Mills did what Alec Mills does. If you saw Mills start tonight, it was quite similar to what you will generally get from Mills, possibly a little bit shorter in length. Um, Scott Efros did not have a... Fantastic outing. Took one pitch to give up a run of Mills. Um, the bullpen was more missed than hit. Alzolay was really good. Um, and going with Trevor McGill in the ninth inning was, shall we say, questionable. Really in the game tonight, not really uh, in the Chicago game tonight, not really a whole lot of um, decision-answering kind of stuff going on. Alfonso Rivas continues to hit, uh, but but you should know that already. That that should already be... Um, <laughs> Wilson Contreras got hit by a pitch. Ooh, wow, I'm surprised. But as far as the Cubs game, there really wasn't a whole lot of reason to get mournful or sorrowful or ecstatic or anything. It was um, it was a game kind of like you would possibly expect when a team is lagging. Simply put. Okay, now let's jump to the minor leagues again with Tennessee um, out for the night. We avoid them. South Bend, Max Bain did not have a good outing. This is the by-innings score by Quad City through the night. 2-2-3-1-1-2-0-1. The pitching shut them down one inning. Um, South Bend, sometimes their pitching is a bit edgy. And tonight, it was not the good edge. Um, Dalton Stombaugh. Ah! <laughs> Zach Lee pitched well. Two walks and a strikeout, but he pitched uh, nobody. His was the inning that they didn't score. Uh, Gabriel Jaramillo up from low A. Uh, one run in one inning. Dalton Stombaugh kind of got uh, 
Quad City is a tough team. Quad City is a tough team. Offensively, let me see, let me see. Again, I didn't listen to this game much. Uh, Jake Slaughter had a solo homer. Also um, had another hit and scored. Bryce Windham and Pablo Aliendo had a hit and a run each. Seven total hits on the offense. Six of them were singles. Six walks. That's a good thing. Um, but it was rather one-sided. Quad City wins 12 to 4. Not really a whole lot of learning going on there. And that um Jonathan Perlaza had the night off. Let me see, make sure that he's still on the roster. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, he, Jonathan, um, no, uh, Miguel Pabon had a ground ball in the first inning. Bases loaded, two outs, ground ball to Pabon, and he threw the ball over Bryce Ball's head. Bryce Ball is 6'6". Six, six. So, yeah, it, it, it was not one of... It wasn't one for the time capsule, I will put it that way. Myrtle Beach, going to flip back to that game. I'm really not horribly organized. I didn't write down a whole bunch of stuff, but there are a couple of things from the Iowa game that are worth relating to a number of different things. Ooh, Myrtle Beach. Um, Augusta wins four to nothing. Myrtle Beach manages four hits. None of them were for extra bases. Uh, Fabian Pertuz, Jonathan Sierra, Jordan Wogu, and Kevin Made. As far as walks, there weren't any of those. So really not that great of a game offensively. Um, on the other hand, Tyler Schlafer is taking steps forward. It's probably not going to show on any numbers anywhere, but Schlafer... Fan two in the first inning, fan three in the second inning, fan seven over five, gave up a run over five. I'm not going to complain about that at all. Tyler Schlafer is getting there. He's doing things. It's um, It steps along the way. Steps along the way. Tyler Schlafer should be a starter in Myrtle Beach next year if he's healthy. And when I say he should be a starter in Myrtle Beach when he's... it net. <laughs> When I say he should be a starter in Myrtle Beach next year if he's healthy, he would be the type of guy that would probably get called up in maybe June when other people start getting promoted because he he looks, he, he sounds like, um, there there's some video, there's some video out there. I'll look him up on Twitter. There was, his seven strikeouts were, they were impressive. Um, has a very reasonable breaking ball. Um, yeah, Schlafer, Schlafer was not the problem today. Uh, Raphael, no, Luis Devers, Luis Devers. I'm going to double check on that. Got his Myrtle Beach debut today. And yeah, Luis Devers. And it didn't go so well. I'm glad he made it to Myrtle Beach. I'm glad he got to pitch in a game. It's unfortunate that it didn't go very well, but you live, you learn, you experience things, you get better. Um, the back end of the bullpen, um, 
Walker Powell and Jose Almonte pitched the last three innings. One hit allowed, three walks, four strikeouts. Not bad from Walker Powell and um, Luis Almonte. Um, but the, Jose, Jose Almonte, not Luis, Luis Devers. Um, but, but the news here was Schlafer. Tyler Schlafer, if he's not on your top 40, don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on him because he's... Uh, simply put, if you have a player who has a three or four pitch arsenal and he belongs in full season ball next year, and he would be a, let's see, now he'd be, I think he'd be going into his college junior season. I think he would be at UIC, presumably. Um, Schleifer got tagged with the loss, but they didn't hit. When the offense doesn't hit even remotely, not even close, not even a single tiny little bit, it's tough to win a game. So now we go to the iCubs game. The iCubs game is where most of the learning most of the learning went on for the entire night. Now, again, I'm going to take a breath here. And I'm going to rewind a bit. Earlier today, I had my article on Bleed Cubby Blue regarding my current thoughts as of September 15th on the Cubs 40-man roster. Now, I like to look at this regularly because if a person waits until one specific day, let's say... Since the November date is November 19th this year. November 19th, everybody has to have all their names turned in as far as who their Rule 5 guys are going to, uh, their Rule 5 Protect guys are going to be. The, the entire list of players who are going to be Rule 5 eligible, you can exempt players from the Rule 5 draft by adding them to the 40-man roster for the entire offseason. Teams all have prospects who are doing well. Teams all have prospects who are doing well who might be worth selecting in the Rule 5 draft. And it's a very valid question. Should we keep this guy? Is this guy on the edge? Might this guy be kept? If a person waits until November 17th to start doing their homework on who should be protected in November on November 19th, they're going to miss a whole lot of stuff that probably should be being paid attention to. The more times you look at something, the more times you expose yourself to something, the more times you become comfortable with this is a thought, this is a contrary thought, this is an unpopular thought, but I'm going to go with it, whatever it ends up being for you. What I wanted to do back three weeks ago, I wanted to start running through the names. Who are the names? Who are the guys who might make sense, who is on the edge, who is on the cusp, who possibly might be there. And one of the names I had had on my list a bit earlier, four or five days ago, one of the names that I had on my list four or five days ago was Ethan Roberts, fourth round pick in 2018 out of Tennessee Tech, relief pitcher, I would phrase him as a 94-mile-an-hour guy as opposed to a 97-98-mile-an-hour guy. And he 
kind of has to be a bit precise as far as commanding the corners. When he does that, he's really good. When he has his, when when he's just missing or when he's not getting the calls or when the catcher isn't getting him the calls or whatever, he doesn't have the velocity to throw it past really good AAA hitters, much less major league hitters. Now, does that make him a horrible pitcher? No. What it means is, as of right now, he's certainly not ready to um, get regular outs at the major league level. Again, that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to be protected. Doesn't mean to be mean he doesn't deserve to get considered. About three, four nights ago, Ethan Roberts had a really bad night in AAA. He's had a reasonably good night since then, but he had that second night in AAA where he just, he got hit really hard. He got hit really hard. And when there are nights like that, either really good nights or really bad nights, when you're assessing a player, okay, does this push him to the left? Does this push him to the right? Pushing to the right means less likely to get protected for the Rule 5 draft or less likely to get tendered a contract. Getting pushed to the left, the left column on um, on my list is the keeper guys. You know, you get your left column is Kyle Hendricks and Nico Horner and all that. Um, the right column is guys who are going to be free agents anyway or guys who you might not want to have protected regardless. So Ethan Roberts has had a couple of outings where he's taken steps to the right and when I came out with my article today, Ethan Roberts was not included on my protect list. Does that mean he is permanently banned from... No, not even close. As of this morning when I wrote the article, he was not on my protect list. Full breath. The Iowa game tonight. Corey Abbott pitched really well against a very good Omaha squad. Corey Abbott, six innings, two hits, no walks, four strikeouts, two runs, two earned, a very good outing. Had he had a lot more outings like that through the year, then he would probably be left column. But it's very important in my universe, it's very important in my universe when talking about a 40-man roster, when talking about a 40-man roster, a team ought to have at least one pitcher on the 40-man roster who is likely to be a starter in AAA. Because at some point during the season, somebody's going to get hurt, and that guy who is the AAA plant, that's my term for the concept, you have a AAA plant. Some teams will have two AAA plants. Some teams will even have three AAA plants. You'll have guys in AAA. They're not expected to be on the major league roster when camp breaks in April. It's not expected. It's not likely. It's not a viable possibility, barring injury. So you'll have guys who are AAA plants, and I want one of those on the Cubs 40-man roster. Again, deep breath. The Cubs currently have two players who qualify as potential AAA plants for the 40-man roster. Corey Abbott 
and Adrian Sampson. Corey Abbott has not had a good year. He's been much better the last eh, five or six, seven starts. Normally too many walks. Tonight, no walks against Omaha, a very good offensive team. Again, when you are assessing a 40-man roster for the offseason, you will get conflicting reports all the time. Gee, I thought this guy was going to be a left-column guy, but this night comes in, now he looks like a more, more like a right-column guy. And you to properly do the 40-man roster thing, you have to be able to get conflicting information, accept that there's conflicting information, and realize that this guy probably isn't an ideal candidate for a 40-man roster spot, but most players aren't. <laughs> you know, Mike Trout, ideal candidate. Shohei Otani, ideal candidate. Uh, Aaron Judge, ideal candidate. But there aren't a whole lot of those guys. A lot of players on a team are, well, he has drawbacks and he has positives. There are drawbacks and there are positives. There are drawbacks and there are positives. And you assess each player. You assess each bit of information that comes through for the game. Corey Abbott, very good outing tonight. Does that mean he will be on my next left-hand column when I come out with a, another 40-man roster update? No. Um, Adrian Sampson wasn't even left column this time, and I came and I talked rather glowingly about how well he's pitched recently. So, um, Corey Abbott, good outing. Marcus Walden came in and gave up successive home runs that were, see, I think one of them went 423 and one of them went 440 or something like that. They, they were, they were just obscene. The incredibly long home runs, unlike successive pitches. It might have been back-to-back pitches, or there might have been a ball or a strike in between the two. So it got to the seventh, the bottom of the eighth, and Brendan Little came in in a relief stint. Now, Brendan Little is Rule 5 draft eligible this offseason. He was Rule 5 draft eligible last offseason. He hadn't proved anything. Nobody selected him. He wasn't taken. Returned to the Cubs because he wasn't taken. And this year, he's been really good. He's been really good. And tonight, he came in. I said, oh, okay, cool. I get to listen to one inning of Brendan Little pitching against Omaha. I should learn something. And his first inning, I pretty much forgot in his first inning. It was very good. It was very good. I mean, what even went on in the first inning? Bottom of the eighth. Lucius Fox grounds out. I think that's on about two pitches, uh, three pitches, something. Bobby Witt grounded out. Nick Prado was called out on strikes. So the first inning was very gentle, very silent. Really, nothing happened. I was thinking, hey, that was a really nice outing from Brendan Little. I'm good with it. I'm very good with my call from today to protect Brendan Little this November in the Rule 5 draft. Shazam, Brendan Little 
gets the ninth inning. Okay, now I get to uh, get to hear if he can pitch two innings in a row. And the second inning, <sighs> Ryan McGroom, very good power hitter, took one to the track. It should have been caught. Janeshwi Fargus, who had earlier homered, did not catch the ball. And it went for a double. Probably should have been caught, but it went for a double. Next hitter flies to left. Third hitter, ground, no, 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 third hitter, pop up to the second baseman, Trent Giambroni. He absolutely loses it in the lights. Absolutely loses it in the lights. Ball is dropped. So now what we've had so far is, in the bottom of the ninth inning, pitcher who's not necessarily known for going multiple innings. Fly ball to center, should have been caught, ruled a double. Fly ball to left, pop up to the second baseman that should have been caught. So, it should have been a 1-2-3 inning. Alas, it was not a 1-2-3 inning. Angelo Castellanos singled to right. Ryan McBroom scored. Eric Mejia goes to third. Tying run now on third. Winning run now on first. One out. Tying run on third. Brendan Little in some damage. In, in damage control. Brendan Little is a left-handed pitcher. Usually throws 94 to 96. 94 to 96. I really haven't heard any 97s. And if it's 92, 93, it's probably a secondary pitch. He has um, a back foot slider. And he's basically a two-pitch guy. Mid-90s fastball, left-hander. Mid-90s fastball, back foot slider. Either one can put people away. Either one of them can also have a little bit of wildness to it. That's who Brendan Little is. Or at least that's who Brendan Little was. Damian, let's see, Dirone Blanco struck out swinging on one of the pitches... Brendan Little broke out a back foot curve. I didn't know he had that pitch. Okay, so now, toss aside the game. Toss aside the game. The game doesn't matter. The game doesn't matter. What matters is, does Brendan Little get a 40-man roster spot? Brendan Little, 94, 95, 96 mile an hour fastball from the left side. Can get it over for strikes. He's not horribly bad. He started off rather poor about throwing balls way too much. But recently, he's been much better at that. 94 to 96 fastball that can get people out from the left side. Back foot slider. And now he's back breaking out a back foot curveball. I really don't see how you don't protect that. It might not be major league ready yet. It might not be perfect yet. It might not be... He's an eighth inning guy right now. 
at the major league level. But if you, if your team has a left-handed pitcher who's Rule 5 draft eligible that has a back foot slider and a back foot curveball, you can get them both over for strikes. And he also throws 94 to 96. I have no idea why you don't protect the guy. I really don't know why you would not protect the guy. I, I, I can't, I can't fathom it. Brendan Little should have a forty-man roster spot this off-season. Tyrone Blanco ends up striking out swinging with a hmm. What was the? It's either two and one or one and two. I'm not sure which. Um, and Omaha decided to play the old high school play. You know, the high school play where the runner on first takes off, and the runner and the catcher throws to the second baseman or the shortstop, and then the runner breaks to the plate, and then you th- you try to steal a run. You try to steal a run, and Omaha tried to steal a run, and tagged out at the plate. Game over. Iowa wins. Okay, now you see, you see, you see, you see. Yay, Iowa wins. Hooray, Cubs win, all that kind of stuff. The important thing from this game was, and there are a couple of them. There are there are a number of things. First off, Brennan Davis was two for gotta check and get it right. He was two for four, scored a run. In the ninth inning, he hit a frozen rope to the second baseman. And the second baseman made a fantastic play. Otherwise, Brennan Davis would have been three for four. Tyler Leidendorf homered in the... Which inning was it? He hit his home run. Homered in the ninth to give Brendan Little a bit more cushion, which came in mighty handy. Janeshwi Fargus was three for four. I have no idea if Janeshwi Fargus is a keeper next year. I'm going to have to do some research on that. Uh, Levi Jordan, two for four. Um, he also, that's right, uh, Janeshwi Fargus and Levi Jordan went back to back um, in the fifth inning. So there was some, there was some offense, 10 hits combined between... Nine of the ten hits were by the players in the five, six, seven, and eight slots. So Davis, Leidendorf, Fargus, and Jordan were most of the offense. Um, Nico Horner had a hit, left the game late. He's fine. Probably, ooh, I don't know, weekend in Mil- uh, weekend Milwaukee would possibly make sense for him. I don't know. Just a guess. Um but no, Brennan Davis did well, steps along the way there. Corey Abbott did well, steps along the way there. Brendan Little definitely steps along the way, especially if that back foot curve is useful. So yeah, when you assess a major league pipeline as far as this player belongs or this player doesn't belong on the 40-man roster, the last question in the universe the last question in the universe is how is he doing this year that doesn't really matter a whole lot what matters is 
what does it sound like he will do next year? So as I'm looking at Corey Abbott, as I'm looking at Brendan Little, as I'm looking at any of the, uh, as I'm looking at Trevor McGill, Trevor McGill and Tyler McGill both got losses today. First time in a good long while that that's happened to brothers in the same night. Corey Abbott, I look at his numbers. His numbers are conflicting with what he did tonight. And that's the contradiction I get. That's the confliction I get. What is the proper decision that ought to be being made? Is Corey Abbott worth a 40-man roster spot in the offseason? If so, why? Those are the questions that matter. Um, getting hung up on is um, Robinson Chirinos going to be the answer at catcher? Less important, less important, because that, that's, uh, to me, that's quite dependent on how healthy um, Chirinos is going to be next year. Because, you know, <laughs> he, he's perfectly fine if he's going to be healthy, but if he's not going to be healthy, then there's no reason. When you assess a 40-man roster for an offseason, you are assessing based off of what you're seeing now, what you will probably see next year. You are trying to assess, does Trevor McGill make sense, assuming that much of next season he will be in Iowa? That's where it'll be. It's not going to be a question of, I don't want Tyler McG Trevor McGill on the 40-man roster because I don't want him in the Cubs bullpen in 2022. He won't be. That's not where he's going to be. He will be in Iowa. Next year, Trevor McGill. Oh, let me get let me get out my list of names. Let me get out my list of my names. Um, Trevor McGill. Um, Michael Rucker. Very possibly. Um, Uh, Manuel Rodriguez, very possibly Tommy Nance. Their role will not be, this guy is going to be in the Chicago bullpen. That's not what their job will be. Their job will be to be in Iowa, working on what they have to work on, to be ready to go to Chicago when they are needed in Chicago. It's not a question of, does this guy look like he should be... A, you have a 40-man roster. You have a 40-man roster. You have 26 guys on the parent club. You're going to have 14 guys who are either injured or in the minor leagues. They're going to be guys who he's going to be in AAA. And what it boils to is assessing which player makes more sense for that Iowa plant role. Is it going to be Adrian Sampson or should it be Corey Abbott? What's what's the proper decision to make with Dylan Maples? What should Adam Morgan be invited back? Um, Tommy Nance, Manny Rodriguez, are they good enough to have in AAA next year? Because frankly, next year, if there's any level of health whatsoever, the bullpen is going to be Rowan Wick. 
Cody Hoyer. I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Efros is in the bullpen next year. Um, and, and a handful, a handful of guys who are currently with the team, and two or three or four guys who aren't with the team now. Guys who are going to either be um, off-season signings or something along those lines. There are going to. It, it's not a question of. I don't want Michael Rucker on the 40-man roster because I don't want him in Chicago next year. It's not It's not the same question. Some guys will be in AAA because there's only 26 roster spots. Some guys are going to be in AAA. And if sent to AAA, if working on things in AAA, they should probably get better. Not a guarantee, but probably. As you watch the back end of the Cubs season, or if you listen to some of the minor league games down the stretch, listen for what is longer term, not shorter term. And um, it takes a while. It takes a while. Because normally the mindset is, yay, we won, boo, we lost. But so much of it now ends up being, how did this player develop over the how is this player developed over the last week is this guy better than he was 2 weeks ago does he look like he might be useful in 2022 or 2023 or maybe even 2024 because if you have a, a player like a um Michael Rucker let's use him for an example if he's eh, in 2022 but actually starts to figure it out in 2023 and is very good in 2024 would you want him on your roster? If he's going to be very good in 2024, then you would want him on your roster. Then the question is, what is the likelihood that he will iron out the things that he needs to iron out? Or I could be very Norm MacDonald and say, iron out. Um, watching for the future is different than paying attention to a final score. And for me, watching for the future is what is interesting. Tonight, let's see, the Cubs lost, uh, Chicago lost, Iowa won, Tennessee got rained out, Myrtle Beach got throttled on four hits, and Quad City smashed South Bend. But yet, in every game, there were positives. In every game, there were negatives as well, but assess the positives so you can more properly assess the future. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great Thursday tomorrow. And um, I'll talk to you soon.